and uh, this is our Monday night for the gathering. Now, most of us have, are in recovery, so I always like to frame it that way. Um, you know, I humbly don't believe the problem is obsession with self. I truly believe that's the activity of your conditioned mind uh, to reinforce the identification of self. I believe the identification as self, in a sense, is the first knot. The obsession with self is the second knot, let's say. And then there's the effects of those knots on all your other knots of life, like money and security and relationships and family. Yeah? And usually people work on, let's say, a specific knot. So somebody will think their relationships aren't working, so they'll put a lot of time and effort into loosening that knot around their relationships. Yeah, they'll do therapy maybe and do some workshops and read some books and see some people talk and maybe it loosens up a little bit and they get some relief, but usually it seems to knot up again. Yes. And so and then the knots next to that relationship knot, let's say money and health, still aren't really affected that much by this one loosening up. They still stay tight. So they seem to be almost independent of each other these different knots. So you have to work on one knot, and then you got to work on the other knot. But let's say, in, for us, in the disease of alcoholism, the people that presented uh, the book brought us to what they would say was the first knot, which was obsession with self. They would say that's the root of the problem. So that seems to be indicating that's the first knot. And then a lot of people have come after that first, you know, those first hundred people. And there's been a lot of work on recovering from this mental and perceptual disease. You have to remember, alcoholism, you can't take an x-ray and see it in the body. It's not in behind the heart or it's not in the liver. Its effects will need to be there. But you can't take a, like an MRI scan or x-ray and find alcoholism. It's not like cancer. Or like a or pancreatitis, where you can see the bloated whatever. It has, it's a mental disease, yeah. and it's engaged or it's infecting the mental process, and the mental process is producing a product called a self. Yeah. It does that. It cannot actually produce a self or a noun, a solid, long-lasting, separate, independent entity. It can't produce that, but by its verbing by its selfing, it makes up an illusion that there's a noun. So, this, all mental processes do this, yeah? The mental process is part and parcel of a system called self-centeredness, and so the center of that system is a sense of being a self. Now, alcoholism is like an extreme subdivision of self-centeredness. Yeah? Where the attributes of self-centeredness get taken farther than in most normal people. Yeah? And also, the consequences seem to be more extreme. Yeah? So here's the mental process, verbing. And it, there's a sense, part of the verbing is the verb that you're a noun. That you're a long-lasting, independent, separate Paul. Yeah? That noun pops up. And now, its first movement as a noun is to claim everything else. So, first thing it does, it claims the mental process. Now, it's the thinker of the mental process. I, it has the body. Yeah? This is my life. This is my time. These are my problems. This is my, 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 my. Yeah? So, there's the activity, the mental processes, 
does this. It's a verb, and it pops up a noun. Now, let's say alcoholism infects the mental process. So, whatever the mental process produces, it will carry the infection of alcoholism. So, it produces a sense of being a self. And so, that self that is produced will have alcoholism for someone with the disease of alcoholism. Yeah? They will be, they'll have that proclivity to act out some way. Yes? So here's the mental process making up this noun. You can't take a picture of it. It's thinking. Yeah? And it's perception. And it's interpretation. In other words, you and I look at life from the point of view of being the center of it. So when I see something, I see it and I think about it and I feel it as if it pertains to me. Everything that's seen and put into this funnel of interpretation called self-centeredness. And this self-centeredness is infected with alcoholism. So, instead of just obsessing over this, I'm extremely obsessed over this. Yeah? I take feelings incredibly personally. My fear of rejection is off the charts. My fear of not getting what I want is off the charts. My fear of losing what I'm, I have is off the charts. It's extremely played out. And of course, if this is going on, it's, well, one of the first things you start sensing when it's going on is you feel irritable, restless, and discontent. That becomes your underlying factor that your mind avoids or denies or disassociates from or makes excuses about or rationalizes, but it doesn't really get it taken care of. It just sort of uses its solutions, which really don't deal with the irritability, restlessness, and discontent. So it says, all right, I don't want to feel this, so what? Let's go get loaded. Yeah. Boom. Let's go get high. Let's do this as a solution to this irritable, restless, and discontent. Now, it may be a solution temporarily, but it reinforces the problem. Because yeah. the problem isn't the eighth knot or the fifth knot or even the second knot. It's not the mind driving you crazy. It's the identification as a thought of mind. The mental process has made up a product. The mind, the mind mind, not the little head thinking, 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 but the mind itself has become identified with what that mental process is projecting, which is you as a self. It's ability now to give meaning to things. Yeah. All the beauty you've ever seen, your mind gave it that meaning. All the peace you've ever sensed was sensed by that mind. Yeah. When it says enjoy peace of mind, mind has peace as one of its qualities. We wouldn't know that as a conditional head, but mind has a quality of being peaceful, being huge, being empty, being infinite. And it has the ability to entertain its own qualities, and it gives meaning to things. That's what it does here. Yes? In a subjective experience, your mind is giving meaning to things. When you were a kid, it would give meaning much differently than the meaning you've been, been living under since then. Because what happened is, when we were a kid, the mental process that was making selfing hadn't grabbed all of our minds yet. Yes? Our mind was in imagination. We weren't, there wasn't a narration of my day when I was a little kid. When I was playing, my head wasn't going, oh, Paul is playing. 
It was just plain, yeah? It was just direct and immediate and spontaneous. So when I got really upset, I got really upset, and then it would disappear in a second, and then I'd be happy again. Things would come in like clouds in the sky. They wouldn't settle in and become a weather front. They'd come and go, yes? But the overall feeling was there was an awakeness. The light could be filled with wonder and awe. Yeah? I had like 12 soldiers that I played with for over three years. Every day underneath an apple tree in my backyard with Wayne Griffith, my next door neighbor. Every day we played together at least three hours a day, every freaking day, for years. <laughs> and there was never a boring moment. You just got off and do 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 So there's the mind. It gives meaning to things and it can entertain. Okay, so here the head, here's the mind, and then the mental process produces this thing called selfing, yeah? It's selfing. And it's, and it's producing, and it's presenting the mind a self, yeah? A self. The mind becomes identified with that a self, and now it's self, yeah? It's not a self, which is what the mental process is producing. It's producing a feeling of being a self. The mind becomes identified with, with it, and now it's myself. Yes? Now, your ability to entertain goes into self-centeredness, and now you can only entertain from the point of view of being a self, which severely limits your ability to entertain. Yeah? Self-centeredness is a program, a system, and let's say in that system there's only a very small part of your ability to entertain can be used in that system. Because everything now that you're going to entertain, you're going to entertain as a self. Yeah? So if you entertain peace as a self, peace has to be a goal that you, as the self, can get or not get. It's not something that's recognized as you, ever. It's always recognized as something you may want, as a self. As soon as peace becomes a goal to you, that ain't peace. As soon as serenity becomes something that happens if I do some good things, and if I don't do some bad things, then I have serenity. That's not serenity. In recovery it says, you will know, you'll now know the word serenity and comprehend peace. Why aren't you, don't you think you've run into serenity and peace now? But he's saying there's a whole other way of comprehending and knowing peace and serenity. I think these people are deciding coming. Yes, come on in. Yeah? So there's serenity and peace. What happens when you can comprehend and know it? Weren't you knowing it and comprehending it before? You weren't because you were knowing it as a self and comprehending it as a self. That's not the peace and serenity that we're talking about. We're talking about the peace and serenity in the mind unadorned by selfing. Yes? Which is always available. In other words, the mind has never become a self. It's just identified with a mental process. As soon as it can entertain I'm not that, it's able to entertain what it is, which is I'm not that. Yeah? As soon as it entertains I'm not that, which my mental process is projecting, then it does what? It flexes its nature which is it can now entertain peace. It can know serenity. Not as a goal that you are either going to do or not do to get there, but as a state that you're already in. This is the beauty of it. It takes no time to go where you are. 
It takes absolutely no time to go from where you are to where you are, if you're there already. It does take no time. That's exactly what it's like. It's sort of the mind, let's say, which I would represent as everywhere, has now become identified with a special somewhere. The special somewhere being this, yes? This is Paul. I'm the special somewhere. I'm suffering the effects of this identification as a special somewhere. And maybe, to you, after drugs and doing this and money, maybe you come to the spiritual solution, which is, wow, if I could find everywhere, I'd have a new advantage for my special somewhere. It may be a great strategy for my special somewhere to find everywhere. But if you look at the word everywhere, what does it mean? It's everywhere. If it's everywhere, why aren't you feeling it? If that presence of God, supposedly, is everywhere, then why aren't you bumping into it right now? There must be something that's prohibiting you from entertaining the everywhere. I would say the identification as a special somewhere. You're identified as a special somewhere who wants to experience everywhere, but as a special somewhere. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> so, in recovery, they talk about God. Yes? Everywhere. All-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere. So, he is everywhere. Now, you're in a special somewhere. As soon as you're in a special somewhere, everywhere is a, is a place that you have to travel to. You have to take a spiritual path, let's say, to get there. And sometimes, because the spiritual path will never, never really succeed, they'll tell you that it may take lifetimes to get there. <laughs> but in the special somewhere, everywhere can seem to be really far away. Yeah? But if you recognize you're not a special somewhere, that's everywhere. It's like if you pull the shade up from this window, light doesn't take ten days to get in the window. It floods in. There's not a moment it takes for it to enter. Yes? It just seems to be blocked out. Just like here. Alright? We're in space. People think there's a chair. So is chair taking up space? Alright, let me pull this, take this up. Alright? Now I gotta go get some space and put it back where the chair was. Just Yeah? Okay, let's move this. Now with some other space had to be moved because this is taking it. So I move this. And go to the closet, get some space, put it in here. No. Nothing that appears in space takes up any space. This isn't taking up any space. This is an appearance in space. This is space itself. It just appears to be different. It's not like there's a, a, a two-foot and a two-foot piece of space in the closet that this is taking up. Yeah? Or the wall. You really believe that the wall is taking up space? It's just a mental idea that separates space from space. Do you believe that I start, stop here, and you start, wait, what is this? Well, I don't know, it's fucking space. Fuck, it's nothing, really. And then you, so this something, sees where? Through nothing, and then sees another something. Now you tell me, do I stop here? Do I, when I close my eyes, is it like my in here stops? Like there's a little written made in the USA inside. Yes. I, I, this is Paul here. And then 
This is, and then you start there. And so when you hear a thing like in the Christian Testament, it says, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Well, when I used to think that, the kingdom of heaven is really skinny then if it's in me. I mean, there's almost no parking in the kingdom of heaven. It's just this little space. And then, but obviously the kingdom of heaven is within you, which is mind. Mind, not minds as space, not as thoughts, as space. Yes? So the kingdom of heaven, as everything else is, in that space. That's the comprehension of serenity and now and, and the knowing of peace. Is when you realize, I'm not this, therefore, and it's not, you don't realize I'm that, you just realize I'm not this, and that's being that. Yeah? So this gated community of the special somewhere is seen to be not true, and immediately you have the sense of everywhere. But not as a special someone. You can't experience everywhere. You can only experience from everywhere. There would have to be something other than everywhere to experience everywhere. It would be impossible. So people are looking, they want an experience of everywhere, but as a special somewhere. Or some people come to these talks and other people's talks, and they're waiting to get it as a special somewhere. The message is there's no one waiting to get it. It takes absolutely no time. How could it take time to get to the center of everywhere? If you're everywhere, you must be at the center of it. Where would a journey start in everywhere? At everywhere. Where would it end? Everywhere. And what it would look like when you were traveling? Everywhere. How could it look any other way? Everywhere is all comprehensive. It's all including. There's no space outside of it. Yeah? So where the hell are you going? But in the special gated community of the idea of being this, then there is a concept of everywhere that you, as a special somewhere, can maybe experience. But it will be fleeting. Usually based on what you did and had or what you didn't do and didn't have. And if you really look at it, this special somewhere, this identification as a self, makes everywhere a special somewhere. And it denies, and it calls it everywhere, but it's the denial of everywhere, because it now becomes a special somewhere that this special someone is going to do or have to get to. And if you don't say, believe, that's playing God, I don't know what you would call playing God. That the conditional head, the mental process, plays God with God. It makes it a special somewhere. It's a little everywhere. Maybe it's in the Himalayas. Who knows? You know, it's usually somewhere you're not. <laughs> and then it puts it there. And then you buy maps, and you, other people will teach you processes to do what? To get from this special somewhere to the special everywhere. And maybe you'll have an experience that you call an experience of everywhere. But if it's had by a special somewhere, that ain't everywhere. It's the absence of the special somewhere. That's everywhere. And it takes absolutely no time, because in fact, there's never been a true presence of the special somewhere. So there's no need to remove it. There's no, like, moving truck that comes to pick some of it up, one, you know, a day at a time, and slowly moves it out. Just like it's like you take your special somewhere up, 
And there's no everywhere space missing. Yeah? This really was just an appearance in what? The spent in the everywhere. It was an appearance. But did it take any of the everywhere away? I mean, the space must have been so fast because it looks like it's there. As soon as I picked up the chair, it was like that. Did it take any time? Did I bring it in? All right, the space one. Ideas about this. All right, fit in and out. It's a little hanging out a little bit. Take that space. No. The space was that, did it? Did the space ever leave when the chair was put in there? Did the space ever leave when this was put? Did the space ever leave when they built the wall? What leaves and what comes is the appearances in it, yes? Now, if you ask me what was more real, the space of this room or the objects in it, my conditional mind would say, this is real. I can feel it. It's solid. It's heavy. I can sit on it. It's functional. And this, whatever this is, is unimportant. What can I do with this? Yeah? You know? What can, I can't put a billboard in it. It won't, nothing will hang on space. <laughs> yeah? So obviously, in my head, it says, this is, means nothing. There's no value to this. And this is what's really valuable. But this is only an appearance in space. It's not taking up any space. It's an appearance in space. This appearance of this object comes from everywhere, which you can't see, hear, feel, taste, or touch. But the everywhere, or what we call nothing from our conditioned head, is the mother of everything. Everything that appears in it comes from it. And everything that disappears in it is it. So here we are in this ocean, let's say, of space, and this would be like a wave. Yeah? It may look like it's a long wave. Hey, I've had this chair for 50 years. But in fact, time is just a, a perceptual little game of mind. Yeah? Your idea of when you feel like you're a historical figure, you know, sometimes when you feel like, oh, I've been bummed out for weeks, you're feeling that right now. The mind's making up the sense of time. That's what gives it its story juice. Because let's say if you had something that your mind tells you was really good and now you've lost it, it makes it really juicy to suffer, yeah? Even though when you had it, you weren't really enjoying it much, but now that you've lost it, you feel like it was the source of your happiness, yeah? The mind makes that up. It makes it juicy. It has a, a feeling of being, in, of being time, a historical figure. But in fact, it's not so, yeah? It's making it up. So, this whole idea of, it's truly, this really is an absence. It may take time, but it did arrive, yes, <laughs> and it's going to go away. Yeah? The only difference is in time. Like, you see some bugs, they have one day here. Yeah? Like, if they get up late that day, their life is really short. And then they get squished and it's over. Very fast, yeah? We, have, we seem to be alive as this for a longer time, but the feeling is just manipulated by mind. It's the same principle. This has arisen in space, and it's going to depart in space. I would say you're that space instead of what appears in it. 
And I believe the mind can recognize that. Not the conditioned mind, but the mind can recognize it. It cannot, the trip is though, it cannot recognize it as a self. So when the, if the mind is reflecting the selfing and has become identified as that idea of being a self, it severely limits its ability to entertain what it is because it's already entertaining from what it thinks it is. Yeah? As soon as it becomes identified with what it's not, that what it's not defines its ability to entertain even what it is. So it has to look at peace as a goal that you may get. Yeah. And the only way you can see that you could ever entertain peace, it would be, have to be based on you doing and having something. Because the main modality in selfing is doing and having. Yeah? That's why you feel it's your life, because you believe you do things and you have things, and, that's, and then you get them, and if you don't do things and don't have things, you'll lose it. So you're, it's really a playing of God all day. The conditioned head is playing God. In this space of everywhere, it's making things very specially somewhere else. <laughs> like the source of your love, or your happiness, or your peace. Yeah. And see, that the fail-safe mechanism is okay. You have the desire, you'd like the no peace, you know? It has a really good taste in you, it resonates for you. But how you entertain knowing peace is as a you. And therefore that peace has to be known by getting it, doing something, having it, and then if you believe you've achieved it, you will also believe you can lose it. That's not peace. Peace is freedom from both of those. Freedom from the need to get it, and the fear of losing it. It's just an establishment in a state. Not a state, it's just what is. Yeah? It's that space. And so you see, in a way, like St. Francis, I felt, or I'm going to interpret it as that, that he would say in this one of his famous statements, it's, it's in self-forgetting that you're reborn. So, in other words, there's a, there's a verb of mind, selfing, and then there's mind can live in the self-forgetting of that. See? It, by recognizing it's not that. In that, entertaining that it's not the self, that's being what it is, which is big and large and empty and able to entertain serenity and no peace and all this and all that. It's not fooled as none of its qualities, it's not fooled by those qualities being shifted into a symbol that's far away from you, that will be based on you doing and having to get it. It's not going to be that way. Yeah. So everything that you have put off in this life as someone else has to bring it to you, like love or something like that, immediately that whole lie gets diffused and you're right up against the possibility of love. Yeah? Not brought to you by another, but brought to you as you. Yeah, you. So it's very immediate, it has, takes no time whatsoever. Yeah? Just like when I picked up this chair, it took no time for the space to seem to be there. Because it never left. That's the whole message. It only seems to have left because our mind has become identified as an object. Yes. So we're, we're planting this little special somewhere flag on ev in everywhere, and then we're excluding everywhere from our little special somewhere, and we're suffering the results of that entertaining. Yeah. You, can be, you can have a life feeling like you've been unloved when you're actually the source of love. Yeah. It's incredible. You can feel like, I have to really, really get my 
month plan it together so I can go on that retreat next weekend, so that way I'll have peace when I'm at the retreat. But excluding all the other moments, going there, getting there, leaving there as a, as a moment of peace. Because, of course, your head has to look at, at as, as if it's a goal that you're going to get. It can't, you and I, in this conditionality, cannot recognize what's always here. It's impossible. Yeah? Just like we say a lot here, you know, if, did you, were you in a cafe today? Did you hear anyone complaining about the effects of gravity? Did you, did, did you have anyone going, Jesus, gravity was really heavy on my right shoulder. How about you? It's a little bit off there. It's really been a drag. This is one of the heaviest weeks I've ever felt gravity. No. Nobody's been feeling gravity because we're always feeling gravity as a body. Therefore, there's no experience of it ever. You only know it by its absence. Yeah? So you truly only know yourself, in a sense, by this absence. It doesn't mean this has to disappear. The identification disappears, and you see this as an absence, and that's the presence. Now you are that living space instead of this chair in it. Yeah? Then the chair doesn't have so many opinions where it will be placed in the room. Oh, I shouldn't be there. I should be in the front. I'm a very special chair, and only very special asses should sit on me. And, yeah, no, 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 you just, wherever you are, that's okay, usually, because that's where you are. Yeah. The ability to accept is obvious because it's the easiest thing to do. You don't want to change anything in this room. That's acceptance. You just look around, everything is just totally okay. I don't want anyone who's not here to be here, and I don't want anyone who's here not to be here. But, you know, you ever go to meetings? How many times have you gone to a meeting of recovery and acceptance was the topic? I'm telling you, anyone who's ever brought it up wasn't in it. Because if you're in it, you never think of acceptance. <laughs> because it's the act of accepting. Yeah? It's only when you believe you're a noun that you believe you can be separate from acceptance, as if you have a choice. To me, that's the self-centeredness playing God it thinks things can be different than now. When you were a kid, you, didn't, you hadn't entertained that idea. So when you were playing, you were just playing. Now, you think you don't have to be here. You think, hey, I'm just going to start thinking about next week. Or I'm going to go back. I really had a great time two weeks ago. Let me go back there. But if you look at the surveillance camera, you're here in this room, the body. All that is just a mental experience. You go there with thought, as a thought, an idea of being a self. And then you go into what's not happening. Next week, no matter how important it is going to be to you, it's not happening there. It's happening in your mental experience, but it's not happening here. Yeah? But when you're not here, for all intents and purposes, you will be in there and then. Your mind lives in time. That's what it does. It finds fault here because it has something to compare it to, there and then. When you were a kid, you weren't finding fault much in now, because you had nothing to compare it with. It was all there is. But now, you're in this mental realm, you have a past idea of how it was once, and a future idea how it would be a lot better. So the mind is in a state of actively saying no to this moment, and saying yes to those what's not happening. And then... If you entertain what's not happening, you better be careful about the state of your head. Because if your head is like my head, 
And let's say if something's good going on, it gets worried that it's going to get found out in 10 minutes. Yeah? Or somehow something's going to fuck it up, right? But the same head, if it's having a bad day, says it's going to last forever. Do you want that to be the one that creates the interpretation of life for you? And then you living underneath that? Can you imagine? So you go into what's not happening. What do you bring back from what's not happening? Anxiety. Yeah. How could you bring back anxiety from what's not happening? How could you bring back an effect now from an effectless place? It doesn't exist. So it's a total mind product. You think about something, because anything can happen in what's not happening. You can have cancer next week. You can. You can be healthy as an ox right now, but your mind will override that and say, but I could have cancer next week. I got a feeling. I felt this something, yes. I think I have cancer. And I know my girlfriend's going to sleep with my best friend next Friday. I know it. I can feel it in my guts. So now, you're entertaining that idea. What happens? The anxiety of that event, which is not happening, gets downloaded into this, and it seems to be happening to you. You're experiencing anxiety, right? But where did that, where, what field was that crop grown? A mental realm. A mental realm. A realm that's happening right now, but includes a sense of time in it. A past and a future. And so it can travel back and forth, pick up resentments, anxieties, represent your whole life. So let's say I had got run over by a car, yeah? It can go back to that moment and represent it. What would have happened if I didn't go out that night and I didn't go up that street? Then I wouldn't have got hit by the car. And this, the idea behind it is everything probably would have been great if I never got hit by the car. Yeah? So what occurs? The mental, it produces a product which is suffering now, a body state that you find yourself in. I have a broken leg from a car accident. Can't change it. That's what happened. But it believes it could have if I would have done something different. That's exquisite suffering, isn't it? Isn't it exquisite suffering to think that something could be different than the way it was? So you go in there, you go into what if. What if, what if I was, I would have two kids if I was a woman, but I'm not a woman. I'm not a woman. Oh, I've overridden that. Oh, I forgot. So it just goes off. I really miss having two kids. You're not a woman. Yeah? In this head, though, all bets are off. You can entertain everything could have been different. And now, when you're brought to this moment, what do you find in this moment? Dissatisfaction. Why? Because you truly believe it could have been different. If what? You would have done something else. That's playing God. In our program... It says the how and why of the whole program of recovery is to quit playing God. That's it. Why it doesn't work. Isn't that playing God? Where you take an imaginary thought of a past and a future which doesn't even exist and you use it to invalidate this moment, which is the only invitation that's on offer. So you're basically saying no to the only invitation all day and saying yes to your mind's invitation. I'd rather hold a resentment and be right about it than to be open to this moment. That's basically what the mind's fucking saying. I got no time to enjoy this. This is boring here. Let me get worried about what may happen to me next week. 
Isn't that, I would say that falls under the definition of playing God. What else could it be? And it says the whole basis of our program is to quit playing God. So you may know every word in the recovery book, but if you're not quit playing God, then what's the point of it? Knowing every word in the book is playing God. And if you try to get out of self, isn't that being in self? So if you take a two-year course of how to get out of self, you could actually see that as being in self. How can self ever get out of self? How could a product of a mental process ever leave the mental process? That's why it lives in time. Because that's a mental process. Doesn't it seem like you're really you when you think about it? <laughs> Doesn't it feel like it's really you when you go back and think about things that happened to who? You. And or what you believe may happen to who? You. And how does your mind picture you as a body? Yeah. And the words that sound so uh, attractive, why do they sound so attractive? Because they come in the sound of, quote-unquote, your voice, which is just the vocal cords of this body, but you believe the body is you, so you call it your voice. You have to see the root of the problem is not obsession with self. That's a that's just the way it reinforces the bondage to the idea of being a self. The daily thinking as if you're a self is what bonds you to that idea of being a self. The real root of the problem to me is the identification as self, which is a verb. The verb of mind is called, I call it identification as self. It's selfing. But the, what it gives you is a feeling of being a noun. So the space now becomes nothing and you become everything. And you're sorely in need of the effects of that space. But you can't entertain the space as a something because you immediately make it into nothing. Yeah? Why? What happened? What gave this, what can't be seen, felt, taste, and touch? What gave that the meaning of nothing? And gave this the meaning of everything? Was it ordained in the beginning of time? No. Your mental process has given space the meaning of nothing, and everything that appears in it the meaning of being everything. You can't sense what's always going on, because you don't have the ability to experience what's always so. You can only experience what shows up and departs. You don't sense the space that all the thoughts are seen in. You just expect, you, you, you see the thoughts that appear in the sky, but you never get the sense of the sky. We're all cloud watches, but we don't ever sense the, the sky which all the clouds are appearing in. Tell me, have you ever seen a plane run into a piece of sky up there? Did you ever see them take a, a severe turn so they don't hit the sky? Have you? Most people, when they describe a sky, it's usually the clouds in it. Sometimes you can say there was not a cloud in the sky. It's still using the clouds as the way of describing it. Yes? It's always about fucking what appears in it. But it's never about that space. Why is that? It's not a random thing. It's the, it's the survival mechanism of self-centeredness. It wants you to live with blinders on. It does, why do, does your thought system honor the present moment or does it honor time? 
It's so totally engaged in past and future. Obviously, if your thoughts were money, that's where all your money's going to. It's the past and future. So if the mental process is playing with that deck of cards, it's throwing all those cards in the past and future. What now? Nothing. But there and then, yes. All seeking is that. It's like the carrot. The carrot of incessant hope. You think someday something's going to work out. How many fairy princesses have you had? Four or five? Maybe the seventh one will be the charm. How many knights in shining armor have you been saved by? Only to be disappointed. How many times have you moved thinking that was going to change everything? Well, when I get a certain amount of money or a certain job, there's always a point where we believe we're going to arrive, and when we arrive, everything's going to be fine. What happened? Hmm? Yeah. It didn't translate, did it? So instead of getting off the ride, we just go for the next one. 800, like, you know, brass rings with the hope of one gold ring on the, on the ride. <laughs> and then you just get the brass and you try to make it gold. I bet you it was gold one time. It will be gold later. No, it's brass. But incessant seeking, what is that? What selfing? What would the, doesn't the carrot make the horse? So the seeking, the seeking makes the horse, makes the seeker, yes? So the verb of seeking makes up a sense of being the seeker. So if you see, not as that, the mind, it doesn't do this, but let's make a picture. It turns and it sees its original face, which is space. Yes? It sees its original face. Aha! Or as St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. So that thing right now, the no thing actually, that seeing is what you've been looking for this whole time. You couldn't imagine it It could possibly be where it was because it's right where you are, but you believe there's something there already. So the space you're looking for is right where the chair is. The chair is just an appearance in it. The chair will never see the space that it's taking up. Yeah? It's when the recognition is, I'm not the chair, that's the space. So in a sense, this absence is the presence. Yeah? For the space to be here, does the chair does not have to be absent. It can still keep appearing to be a chair, but there's a recognition. <laughs> it's just an appearance of space. Yes? <laughs> it's not like this has replaced space. It's just appearing in it. It's actually of the same nature. Yeah? It's like it's the nature of the ocean, but it's appearing as a wave. Yes? We see it yes? as another wave. So a wave sees another wave, but there's not the recognition of the ocean. The ocean is this space. 
this is an appearance in it. Yeah? So the chair is like a wave in the ocean. It appears as a, a wave or a chair, but does it actually lose, lose any sense of oceanness, even though you would call it a wave? It's the same, same, yeah? So here we are, hovering over the ocean, seemingly, as a bubble, and we're thinking we're different, and this bubble has a real yearning to, the o- to know the ocean, but the only way it ever knows the ocean is it, is it pops. <laughs> the f- sense of being a bubble's forgotten, and it's immediate oceanness. It's never, you're never going to have the sense that, oh, the bubble recognizes the ocean. It's when the bubble pops, that's the ocean. There's never been a recognition of the ocean by a bubble. Never. The bubble pops, and that's even too much to say. There ain't no bubble, but let's say the bubble pops and it's the ocean, yes? And when it, then there's a realization it's always been ocean. There was never a bubble. Yeah? When the body is seen as not you, then you realize you've always been that space. The body has never taken up any space and became became a real thing in the space. No, it's an appearance of the space. So Buddhism says ordinary mind and enlightened mind are the same mind, exactly. The exact same mind. Ordinary mind is identified with a mental process. Enlightened mind is not identified as a mental process. Once looked into the little box of self-centeredness and went in there by mistake, and now every time it entertains something, it entertains it as a self, which severely limits its ability to entertain. Because <laughs> yeah. now I think the only way it can entertain things is they must be something that you do and have to get. Yeah? It has to be something that you, as the system, as the center, get. It can never be a true indication of the absence of the center is. Questions? Well, it never becomes a noun. It just makes up an appearance of a noun. So the mental process is verbing. Yeah. It's a mental process. It's verbing a self. And so the self is a product of it. This is just a diagram. It's meant to convey something. Yeah. It's not like the perfect blueprint. It's just a way of See, it's a very good way to invite by pictures, yeah? Pictures. So here, the mental process is making up a feeling of being a self. It's a thought wrapped with a feeling. So you have a vague feeling. That's why it's, they always say it's a sense of self. You, know, you have a feeling. Just like when you're really feeling great, there's a sense of okayness. You can never say where the okayness is. It's just like a, you're in a space of feeling okay, yeah? You can't say, oh, this is the okayness. It's just like you're in something. 
So this sense of being a self is a product that's produced by the mental process. So its idea is that there's a noun identified as a body. So this becomes a feeling of being a long-lasting, separate, independent entity. And so then there's the feeling. So all of it is verbing. This is just the illusion of it, yeah? So the verb goes like this. Once this arises, then a mental process is claimed by the mental process. Part of the mental process is, hey, I'm thinking. It seems to me that that's like, that's kind of the point where someone would take a drink right there. Do what? Someone would drink. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because once this claims the thought process, being a thought, it's, it has no immunity to the thought. Yeah? So being the realm, from the realm of thought, it's very infected by thoughts and affected by thoughts. It's realizing you're not the thinker of them or are you the object of the thoughts, that's the immunity to them. See, for me, I see a thought is just a thought until you add the word my in front of it. So let's say a thought happens and you and I have the same thought go through the head. You see it, I see it. Now, so you share me your thought and I'm like Solomon. I have a great wisdom about your thought. I can say, hey, that's a crazy thought, bro, and whatever, you know. It's just <laughs> but the same thought is in my head and is preceded by the my, which is the act of identifying. And now I have no wisdom about that thought. It's the same thought, but it's my thought. It's held as my thought, which causes it to have a whole new meaning than when I see it as your thought. Your thought, I forget in a second, this thought can be the beginning of a novel. Yeah? I can use this thought, hey, they're out to get me, and then I can write a whole fucking story about it all day. This is what happens. So it's the act of identifying which is the problem, not a thought. It's holding the thought as yours. That's the suffering. So let's say you're holding the thoughts as yours, and you're, and you're living a life of interpretation. The mental process interprets your life. Yeah? So let's say on a Monday, and it's also a lot of false evidence appearing real. So let's say you're at work and it starts presenting some false evidence. Your boss is planning to fire you. Yeah. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But now you believe he is. So now you're starting to be suspicious with him. And then you're watching everyone at the water, you know, the water cooler, and yet you think they're all talking about you and they know you're going to get fired. And so you start feeling this dis-ease at your workplace because all this false evidence is appearing real to you. So that night you want to drink, get some relief. Yeah? So you start drinking. You call up some friends, they agree with you. Yeah, I bet you they're going to fire you on Friday. And those motherfuckers are planning to get your ass. And so you go, yeah, yeah. So the next day you go in there and you start a fight with some guy at the work and then they bring you into the manager's office and they chew you out and you say, see, they are, they're going to fire me. You don't realize you're actually fulfilling the prophecy in a sense. So Wednesday you realize, Jesus, I, I know they're firing me on Friday, so you say, don't even go to work Wednesday. So middle of the day, your mind keeps pouring it on, and then you're believing it, and you say, fuck it. Yeah? You hit the point of fuck it. As soon as you say fuck it, you got, it's got you. In a sense, almost like a parasite. It's now got you, and then it immediately gives you an answer to the fuck it. Let's get loaded. A contrary to all the evidence that you have about what's going to happen when you get loaded, it still sounds like a damn good idea. So now, you go out and you order a beer. And at this point, your mind's been driving you crazy and your girlfriend may be bothering you and stuff like that. But as soon as you drink the beer, the genie's out of the bottle 
And now you're up on stalking charges, yeah? Now you've been, you know, you've shot at your boss or something. You know, you went postal on him, whatever. Something can happen. So as soon as the false evidence appears real to you, what was just a blueprint becomes a house that you now become the tenant of. You move into that house, and that house is the house of consequences. The house of, I believe, like a hallway of, sh of shit and mirrors. Yeah? So now, there's a lot of fans and everything, yeah? Shit and fans. And a lot of mirror, for sure. But there's the shit and fans, and you're, the, the only time you know the shit hits the fan is after it hits you in the face. That's not a good time to know it. You'd like to be able to see the shit and the fan align, yeah? But now you're in the house. The blueprint stage was your way out. If you would have had an immunity to that blueprint, you, the house would never have been built and you would have never become the tenant of the house and therefore you wouldn't suffer the consequences of that house. But because you believe the false evidence appearing real, it appears real as a house. And then you appear real to be the one who's in the house. Yeah. And now whatever happens, you are, you, it's up to me, it's like flypaper. I know if the alcoholic of my type, I got caught in bureaucratic flypaper. When I used to take false evidence appearing real, I'd get arrested very quickly thereafter. And then I'd have to go to court. Then I'd have to go to probation. Then I'd have to take urinalysis tests. And it would go on and on and on. One decision in a five-minute point, like four months ago, I'm paying for every fucking week. So my, these little houses I had to move in became prisons for the apparatus. There was no escape from them. The only way to get out of something is to realize you were never in it. That happens with immunity to thought. So when my thought, after all those days of advertising, says, I really need to have a drink, I'm not identified as that I. My hand doesn't move for the beer, because you cannot drink. Alcoholism cannot drink. It needs your arm. It needs your arm to pick up the beer and bring it to the mouth and give it the fuel. Yeah? Without the fuel, it can't do what it really wants to do. It'll drive you crazy, but it can't really make a big splash. Yeah? But once you drink and use, then it has you totally, like a parasite. It takes you over. And then basically, it's like dancing with a gorilla. It's gonna, you're going to stop when it wants to stop. <laughs> you really have no choice in the matter, do you? You're fucked. So I would say immunity is, base, is best, best entertained at the blueprint stage, where the thoughts are appearing, false evidence, and you see them as false evidence. That cuts it off. If you see them as real, then they have life here. Yeah? They only have life through you. So the head's producing a lot of false evidence. You are conscious enough to see it as false, but when you're identified with the mental process as a self, you'll see false evidence as real. And then actions will be based on that false evidence, and then you have to clean up the shit. And which way I used to was avoid it. I'd run away from it, and more shit would build up. Until a whole lot of shit was hanging over my head. Yeah. And then, you don't want to be in this moment, and this is the biggest lie of all, the last place you want to be is in the moment, but it isn't even the moment. It's the fucking mental realm of the moment. Yeah? The mental realm has made up a moment that says, this is the last place you want to be. So I'll do anything not to be conscious right now. Wasn't that the case? 
I was willing to pay any consequence tomorrow not to feel uncomfortable now. What I was blaming my uncomfort was in this moment. That was not the moment I was in. I was in the mental realm. I was in a mental experience of the moment, which was a moment with the idea of a past and future in it. The moment was my salvation, actually, in a sense. That was the exact place my mind wanted to get away from, was the solution to it, was actually being here. But the here it was presenting was a place I did not want to be. Yeah. Why? Hmm? Why? Because it had present and future. So I figured, Jesus, if, I, if I'm sober in this moment, it was like the biggest threat of all time. Because all that guilt and shame I'd been avoiding by staying loaded was going to come up on me. All the times when I had money and I swore I was going to give my mother money and I drove right by her house with a half a pound of coke and never gave her a cent would have come up into my consciousness. Every motherfucking thing I felt I was ever, that I ever was the doer of, that I was guilty and shame of, would arrive at that moment and overwhelm me. So anything which was better than that. That was the fear. Always based on being a doer and haver. Always based on the God playing of your head. Where's all guilt and shame rest on the branch of doing and having? You have to believe you were the doer and haver to have guilt and shame about anything. Yes? How is it, isn't that the initial claiming of a life by the mental process? It claims it as I'm the doer and haver of this life. And that claiming, what does it produce? Tons of guilt and shame, which binds you. What, you, what did you feel you were going to be conscious of the most if you became conscious? All the shit you ever did. All the people you hurt. Everything like that. And that seemed totally unbearable. So let's get loaded. Let's try to run it out. Let's put on our running shoes of alcohol and drugs and just run. Just keep getting loaded and loaded and loaded. It's a faulty system all based on a lie. It's the true act of a mental process, quote-unquote, playing God. It puts in the huge amount of fear of your salvation and calls hell your home. The thing you're so afraid of happening, it's happening right now. You're separate. You have a sense of being separate. You have a sense that you don't have what you want or you can lose what you have. It's like your whole house is built on sand. It's shaky. What does that produce? Peace? It produces anxiety of mind. Your mind's constantly agitated. And you can see it by your seeking. If it wasn't, if it wasn't agitated, you wouldn't be seeking. Because that's what you're seeking for. It's peace. What would happen if you found, quote-unquote, peace? It would translate into an ease and comfort now. The whole point with me is I've lost any desire to be liberated. I could give a shit. People call me up, and I know people have been enlightened three times in this life. Once wasn't enough. Give me a break. It's ridiculous. It's not an exalted state. It's the dog shit awareness of right now. That's the peace. Literally. It's just real. It gets totally unnoticed by mind. The trueness of this space is totally unnoticed by mind. It doesn't have any shining little baubles or anything. It's just ordinary all the time as is. You know, all that mental hoping that, man, it's going to be great when it's special next week, is gone. 
You're not holding your breath for any other day than now. You're not going to be saved. There's no need to be saved. There's no one to save. Yeah? It's so immediate. The mind has nothing to do with it. It can't prepare. It can't plan. There's no journey. There's no practice. There's no process. It's a total relinquishment of its relevance. Immediate. In other words, you have absolutely nothing to do with it. The chair doesn't bring the space when it's lifted, nor is it taking up the space when it's here. It absolutely has no effect on the space. It's all perceptual. You just think the chair's there. Hmm? No. It's an entertaining. If you're practicing, it's a practicing as a self. This message isn't that. I just talked to a man about that today. Well, what if you're trying to, like, uh, as maybe the first step, trying to get like, a healthy self? <laughs> 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 well, it's not even the mental process. It's for, like, a destructive man. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. But none of that's you. That's all, every voice in your head, every thought, is part of the chair. There's not one part of the space that will speak to you in language. It may influence some of it, but it's the silence. It's the silence of the space the chair is in. Yeah? And it's never been disturbed by the presence of the chair, nor is it disturbed by its absence. And yet here it may look like you have to, this thing, the chair will do things, and so what? Let it do it. This isn't about stop seeking, because that would be a form of seeking. A form of seeking would be to try to stop seeking. It's recognizing there's no seeker. So let the seeking continue if it wants, and if it doesn't, it won't. But there was never you that was seeking. And there's never you that's decided not to seek. It's all mind. The chair wants to be relevant. It wants to have something to do with the space. I must have at least taken it up. No, it hasn't. <laughs> That's the freedom. It's freedom from you. It's not you getting free. It's freedom from fucking you. Yeah? The you that so desperately needs to be free. That's what you're freed of. What was my remedy then? Yeah. Shoot coke. <laughs> that was my remedy. I shot a big shot of coke as soon as I got out of the car. Well, how did you... I forgot that I didn't give my mother money. But when those thoughts enter in our minds now, do you have any suggestions on just being present and letting go of the past? Yeah, yeah. Well, if you can hold them as not your thoughts, yeah, they, your experience or your relationship with them may be very different. If they seem to overwhelm you, then help someone else. Do some service. 
See, if your house is on fire, the best solution you can be offered is where a pail of water is. Yeah? Maybe after the house is put out, then you can talk about the fireless state. But if your house is on fire, if people call me up and they're totally flipping out, they must believe there's a you that's flipping out. So I don't tell them, oh, there's no you. I just say, here's a pail of water. Go out. Help somebody. Get out of yourself. Get the experience of being out of yourself. Because you have, you're thinking you're having the experience of being in yourself. Well, get an experience of being out of yourself. After a while, maybe you can entertain it's neither. You're not in nor out of self. You're an uncompromised state, not based on conditions and circumstances. You have nothing to do with the state you are. Whatever you do or don't do doesn't leave one mark on what you are. This chair will not leave one mark on the space that it's appearing in. Not one. When you lift this up, you'll never know there was a chair here. The space won't show it, will it? You tell me. All right. Let's say this chair's been there 20 years. Does it look like there's like remnants of the chair? I, have a, I can almost see its outline. No, it's not there at all, is it? It could have been there 30 years. Same place, 30 years in a row. You lift it up, it was as if it was never there. Exactly. That's exactly what it's like. It's going to seem to be like you were never here. Why? Because you were never here. Yeah? That's what happens. It's just, um, it's, it's funny and uh, it's, it's real and funny at the same time because um, it contradicts itself, but doesn't. Well, to who? That's good. Confusion is good. Because really what you want to do is just, if selfing is a verb, yeah, you yeah. want to startle it, in a sense. A good, an Im, a good imitation will startle the verbing of selfing. So there'll be a pause, and that pause is the message, yes? See, for the pause is when you seem to have stopped, something continues. So I would say you are what continues more than what stopped. Here's the verbing of selfing. You're sitting here selfing, selfing, selfing. Yes? Let's say something happens like that. Something startles your mind and it stops. Yeah. There's a pause. Now, it seems like selfing stopped, but something continued on. I would say you're that, which is always so, then you're much more that than what stopped. Yeah? So, what stopped is presenting a me. What I am is the context of that presentation. What my mind's doing is presenting a content, but it's happening in the context. So the mind is presenting a chair in the context of space. Yeah? The mind, the mental process is presenting this is me, like a chair, but I'm the context of space. So the context of space is, is what allows the chair to appear. Without space, there were no, no appearance of any chair. And yet, it doesn't take up any space, nor does it move any of it away. And when you remove it, it's like it was never there. That's what it's like. Some of it becomes the semantics, though, where you, know, where you struggle to understand what you're describing, where you get caught up in there's spirit, and there's what the ego 
speed by anyone. Just in space with cars. Great. Yeah, but I think to a newcomer, that's a big leap. Well, it might be. here is we present the space and if someone walks in I can't say oh well let me give you the let me give you the the basic invitation or whatever you know you just have to it's not even what's said it's the conveying of something like hopefully you sense the space here because that's what it is for me it's like a souffle it's like something bakes and you feel something it feels like a living pause that's it that's the message and anyone can get that because there's nothing getting it yeah it's of your own nature, that pause. But see, the thing is, what happens is that pause is received by the chair, and that's what causes it to make give The chair gives it a different meaning. The meaning is, that's what I am, that space, or pause. The chair says, oh, I had this great experience. Yeah, that's not it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that the work in the steps makes a clearing for the whatever Well, let's just say the mind has a disease called alcoholism. And let's say you were wide awake and you had diabetes. You would still take the diabetes medicine, yes? Because the diabetes wouldn't be, would be affecting the body and everything, yeah? So this mental disease is affecting you. And the mind is actually even more so than diabetes because the mind is sort of can create a static that things aren't seen clearly, yeah? You can make up a world through this disease. Diabetes doesn't make up a world from the diabetic view. But a world is made by an alcoholic view. So because of where the disease is manifesting, I think it needs different treatments. So for us, we don't take pills, and our recovery isn't lifelong, it's daily, because it's based on having a power greater than the self, yeah, in awareness. So I'm, what I'm saying is, the best way to me to have a spiritual condition is to know you are one. Not that you are this having a spiritual condition. Because if this has a spiritual condition, this cannot have a spiritual condition. If you are a spiritual condition, there's no option. That's all there is. Yes? It's the perfect stopper of the verb selfing. Because the selfing is based on options thinking it can do something or not do something. But you cannot do anything about your nature. That's what you are. You are of space. Like Jesus said, you're in this world of chairs, but you're not of the chair. You're of that space. That's the, that, to me, is the solution. Like, for me, we have the idea of a higher power. What happened to me over the years was, my idea of a higher power is it's always available, at all times, with no requirement necessary right where I am. So obviously, it's 24-7. Yeah? I don't have a gatekeeper. There's not my head that says, oh, you're getting close to knowing God. You went on that retreat, and you've been really good to people this week, and you've prayed every day. And then, oh, you stopped praying, now you're really far away from God. No, I don't have a God player. So God's always available at all times. And it's not based on this, telling me if I'm close or far. So what's always so, if it hasn't been made into not being so always, 
So what's always so, if it hasn't been made into not being so always, which is what mind does to what's always so, what's always so by mind is made into what's not so always. If you have immunity to that, what's always so is what? Always so. That means always so. Not based on your perception, your thoughts, your feelings as a chair. Yeah? The chair doesn't dictate this, the reality of space. Yeah. The chair's always going to think something else. I'm not in the right space. I should be in the front space or the back space. It gives space a different meaning. Space is everywhere. You are that. Yes, sir. object, obviously, this is a dreamt object, let's say. So if there's a tiger in my dream, I'm going to be scared shit of it, no matter how much therapy I get, no matter how many books I read. Oh, there's no need to be afraid of a tiger. There's going to be a natural seeming response of this to that tiger of fear. The only solution is waking up. If I'm not the dreamed object, I'll see the tiger as a dreamed object. How can a dream tiger scare me? Unless I'm asleep. That's what happens. Yeah? So what seems so real to me is as real as I am. What seems so real to me is as real as I am. The world is as real as I am. Yeah? I don't deal with that. I just look as if this is real. If this isn't real, then other things stop becoming real to me. Is that true? Hmm? Is that true too? Yes. That's the beauty of it. Yes. This is a long night. <laughs> no more. We have a limit on questions. <laughs> All right. Yes. Couple more. Yes. about the thoughts? They're seen the same way. They're not yours. You're not the thinker of them. They're not about you. That's the, that's the mental process trying to be the authentic self, you see? So it will look at thoughts and say, oh, look at the thoughts that I've had. That's a thought. There's no place that stops and an authentic self is seeing the thoughts. There is no authentic self. This is my humble view. Yeah? So, let's say there's the thoughts and then you go, oh, I've been, look at the thoughts I've been having, yes? That's also a thought. Then there's another observation. Oh, look at that observation of that. It never ends. It's a thought upon a thought upon a thought. There's never a you that ends up showing up. It's like being in the mental process. You're not leaving the mental process. You cannot think yourself out of a mental process. Thought is from the process. Yeah? So... Thought about a thought, about a thought, about a thought, about a thought. Always the, the last thought in the line is taking the thought of being you. And then that is seen not to be you. And then there's another you. you can, how many times, examples do you need? There's a principle in it. 
For me, it took maybe seven times I saw this loop, where I kept thinking, oh, I'm the authentic Paul seeing what's happening to me. And then that was shown not to be true. After about seven of those events, I realized none of them are true. It can go on to infinity. Thinking that you saw the thinker of the thoughts, and I'm thinking, I just thought that I'm thinking the thoughts. It goes on and on and on. There's no authentic self. Yes? It's all the mental realm. The product of a mental realm cannot transcend the mental realm. It doesn't exist other than in the mental realm. How did you get your thoughts? How you don't. That's a thought there. I never, I never try to get my thoughts stopped. I just see them as not mine and I lose interest in them. Just like if you ran your thoughts to me all day, I'd be bored in five minutes. Sorry. I mean... I know maybe I'm special to me and you're special to you, but you'd be boring to me in five minutes. And I'd be boring to you in five minutes. Literally. Thoughts are incredibly boring. They're just not so boring when you think they're yours. You're just totally interested in them. But if someone else came over and ran their thoughts about them, you'd be bored in five minutes usually. Right? Ten minutes. Hey, i got to do the laundry. i got to... My cat. i got to walk my dog. But you've been listening to the same thing 40 freaking years, or 10 years, or 15 years. Why does it sound so interesting to you? Because they're about you. When you entertain they're not yours, and they're not about you, you will lose interest in them. Your interest will go somewhere else. It will leave the mental realm and come here. Yes? You'll leave the mental realm, you'll stop living in a mental experience, yeah? And then you'll have conscious contact, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, and touching here, instead of just thinking about it. <laughs> and I'll tell you something, what's happening has one quality, what's not happening doesn't have, it's happening. <laughs> you may like it or not, this is it. I don't think so. Exactly. As soon as you think it's not so, you don't believe this is it, you think it could be something else. <laughs> and you'll find fault. Yes? Something will be lacking that you really need. Don't you find that uh, sort of uninteresting? That you have something and then you don't have any interest in it basically for years and then it leaves you and it's the source of your happiness? You don't see something weird in that move? I've had people call me, and I was seeing them with their girlfriends, and I would say their best ability with their girlfriend was benign neglect. You know, they liked them so much. But then the girlfriend finally got wise and left, and then they call me. The source of all my happiness has left me. Well, I used to see you with the source of your happiness. It didn't look like you were enjoying the source of your happiness, but now you seem to really miss the source of your happiness. Isn't that interesting? Why is it that you can't enjoy what you have, but you can really, really suffer by the loss of what you don't have? This is a mental realm. Very small. It seems large when you're in it. But it's like an asshole. You're, you're in the ass of self. Just pop out and see. See what's happening. There's freedom. Freedom from that. But not as a you. You see? I tried it. I tried it. We're going to go a little longer. Right? What was the best thing you ever did? I was not a great spiritual seeker. I really wasn't. I wasn't a good student, but I was a great drug addict. 
If drug addiction was a spiritual path, I was the highest practitioner. I'd have a black belt, a super black belt in drug addiction. I was the fucking best shooter of coke and ecstasy and every freaking thing there. Ketamine, everything you had, I shot it. I great lengths and great amounts. And yet I never transcended the mental process. That was my whole drive. I figured if I could stretch my mind out and keep it taut long enough, it would snap and I'd wake up out of it. I'm here to tell you it didn't work. I don't think you can transcend what isn't so. You cannot leave as a product from the product, cannot leave the mental process if you're identified as a product of it. It's impossible with spirituality, with drug addiction, with anything. I don't believe you can do it because it's not so. The thing is, you realize that's never been so. That's your transcendence of it. No movement, no time, nothing. It doesn't take one bit of effort. It's a recognition. Nothing ever happened. The chair never took up the space. The space doesn't stop here, and then I'm here, and then there's space again, and then I'm here, and then here. And then some space comes in my ear, and then, but then it's closed and it's all me. I'm a separate unit. No. It's a space. It's an appearance. It's a wave on this huge ocean. It's thousands of us here. Millions of us all day. But the ocean, the, the quality of the ocean is exactly the same. It's wet. We're all totally wet, acting like we're dry. You come in here to get a glass of water, you're drenched. You're soaked. There was an old Zen story about... You know, I'm like a man, this was the story, I'm like a man standing by the river selling you water. And that's not even funny enough. I'm like a man standing in the river selling you water. You're drenched. Yeah. I'm going to pass the basket in. Yeah.